Silent Pristilla's siege had, up until now, seemed to be naught but a fanciful story. Talking a talk of the stone slab, Subaru glimpsed the flowing waterway. Water running within was clear and pollution-free. And now, it flowed on the constant, well-established path. Mysterious mechanism which split the flow between left and right was still up and running. As long as the floodgates resumed their function, anyone would believe that the peril the city was under was a little more than a nightmare. Captain! You can't drag your feet, you know. I know, I know. Every second that passes, the danger of the city hall capture mission increases by 10%. In that case, if 11 seconds pass, we're screwed, yeah? Oh, that probably ain't far from the truth, actually. Garfield, who had taken the lead, narrowed his eyes in displeasure as Ricardo's loud voice rang out through the air. However, the beastman's expression was not discouraged in the least. Bearing his short mache, he strode forward with the vigorous steps. Not even his cavalier attitude was enough to relieve Garfield's tension and guilt. Carter looked no different from usual, while Garfield had clearly discarded his usual demeanor. Even so, three people who Ricardo considered family were hurt. Being in a calm state of mind right now is difficult. This had been made clear back in the shelter. On the other hand, the typical unfounded self-confidence and recklessness of Garfield's has vanished. But what remained was a cautious and more timid attitude. Change that emitted an ominous message. Ah, <sighs> well, I can't say that I'm any better off either. Those two were not the only ones unable to maintain their usual state of mind. Subaru had suffered an injury to his right leg. Beatrice was unconscious. And, most importantly, Amelia's safety was important to confirm at the moment. All of those weighed heavily on his mind. The only reason he had been so quick to try and change the situation is that his experience told him that not seizing the initiative would hasten a terrible result. Three groups to capture the city hall building, each of them with their own problems. Having encountered neither witch cultists nor mobs along the way, they successfully arrived at the rendezvous point. And there... Silverudano. It is great to see that you are all safe. Wilhelm and Crochet seemed enthusiastic about Subaru's arrival. Of course, Julius also come along with them, who elegantly stroked his hair. I am sure that you are worried out of your mind for Emilia-sama. Are you sure it is okay for you to be here instead? I'm not stupid enough to lose sight of what's truly the priority here, for the good of everyone. As irritating as it sounds, Emilia was why that bastard was there in the first place. I feel that I don't know to think about him harming Amelia right now. I do feel for you. If Anastasia-sama were placed in the same situation, I doubt I would be able to keep my composure. After nodding in response to his concerned words, Subaru turned to Wilhelm. The old swordsman closed his eyes as he crossed his arms. His whole body irradiated the quiet energy of a swordsman. Subaru could not tell what he was picturing in his mind, nor what his thoughts were swirling behind his eyelids. However, as sensing Subaru's gaze, Wilhelm opened his eyes and reached into his coat. He threw a mirror and handed it to Subaru. Subaru, Dono, 
This is a conversation mirror. In the heat of battle, I doubt I'll have any leeway to operate it. So I shall leave this to you. Understood. Let's move as planned. The mirror carefully in his pocket, Subaru nodded. As discussed earlier, the conversation mirror would be distributed among the members of the three shelters so that there would be one person in charge of communication. Subaru, the least useful in fighting affairs, held one mirror, while the other was held by Ferris, who has been traveling between shelters. The last one was held by Anastasia, who served as their source of intelligence. Ideally, they would have these three places cooperating for the best results. Then, to confirm again, we are moving to the battlefield identified by Garfield-sama, where two witch cultists are guarding the city hall. One is a giant who handles two broadswords, and the other is a woman with a slender longsword. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Neither of them are your common swordsmen. If you don't do like I did, you'd probably end up getting sliced in two by either of them in no time. Going over all their information once again, Cruchet was the first to speak again. Nodding at Garfield's response, she turned back to Julius and Wilhelm. In addition to those two, we believe that the Sin Archbishop of Lust is also occupying the City Hall. I imagine that other witch cultists will make an appearance there as well. Have either of you heard much about Lust? My apologies. As far as knowledge from the Royal Knights goes, no one has ever heard of Lust. Sloth and Greed are much more famous, and Subaru should be better suited to talk about Greed. Halfway through speaking, Julius had turned to Subaru. Subaru nodded. Having seen Greed for myself, I don't believe that the stories about him are a lie. But that Empire, he took out their strongest knight. I'm a bit skeptical about that. He's strong, but in terms of combat prowess, he's such an amateur. I could match him, although he can negate any attack. And that wasn't due to your own strength? Not this time. The Sin Archbishops had a crawl between them. Although Wrath engulfed Greed in flames, it didn't hurt him in the slightest. Even his clothing was untouched. He didn't even break a sweat. Regulus's authority could easily be dubbed as invincibility. How convenient. If that were true, then the City Hall Raiders would eventually be forced to face the worst of enemies. Though he wanted to believe that it was not such an unreasonable and straightforward ability. If only we had our strongest. We wouldn't have to worry about it. Reinhardt would never be absent when innocent civilians are in such danger. I think that he may be facing a problem that leaves him unable to move. It is possible that, much like us, he has been caught in an encounter with the other witch cultists. Only Julius seemed to understand what was passing through Subaru's mind at that moment. Prior to the start of all of this, Elf and Reinhardt had come into contact with Heinkel. He could only hope that the obnoxious idea which had taken root in his mind upon hearing about their meeting was wrong. Other than that, there's something that I want to confirm. The name Lust called herself. Capella Emirada Lagunica. Why would she possibly call herself part of the Lagunican royal family? 
She's gotta be joking. Everybody knows that the whole royal family has died. It might not be misinformation. It seems too premature to dismiss it as just a prank. Ricardo and Cruchet gave Subaru differing opinions. The witch cult being what it was, either possibly was worth considering. Poor character of this lust could be clearly heard in her voice. Prank, as Ricardo had said, it's likely indeed. She could also prove to be an enigma. However, in the face of those different proposals, Wilhelm raised a hand. I do recall one thing. What is it? Although I do not know of any Capella, I have heard a little about the reputation of Emirata Lagunica. That, that does not necessarily mean there is any direct connection. But, there was indeed someone named Emirata in the history of the royal family of Lagunica. Surprised by this, everyone's eyes grew wide as Wilhelm pondered with his hand to his chin. Her name traces back to before the Demi-Human War, before I joined the army, so around 50 years ago. At the time, the Lagunica royal family had someone very beautiful and very clever by the name of Emirata Summer. And thus called herself Emirata. For what purpose? As for her intentions, I do not know either. Only, I believe that Emirata became ill at a young age. But a state of a state funeral was never held in her honor. Neglecting to hold a funeral for the death of a member of a royal family was somewhat strange. Subaru tilted his head, and Wilhelm attempted to explain. The reason given was that the reason given was that the times were rough. However, the real reason that the public sentiment was against it. The people didn't. Although Emirata was beautiful and very intelligent, she her nature was extremely cruel and an immeasurable amount of darkness laid within her. Therefore, even the royal family of Lagunica regarded her as a heretic. Even the news of her death was hidden from the public for a while. With only an unconfirmed testimony, saying such a dubious words about the kingdom he had once served probably left a bitter taste in Wilhelm's tongue. His words had begun to waver in the second half of his explanation and everyone had seen for themselves Lust's terrible character. I'm sure it's not her, but Lust called herself Emirada. An attempt to slander the royal family of Lagunica, and some harassment in poor taste of those who knew Emirada Summer's name. I think it is rather, I think it's a rather roundabout way to induce suspicion. The result of Wilhelm's conclusion was a sigh of relief. Unlike those with little loyalty to the kingdom such as Subaru, Garfield, and Ricardo, feelings of Cruchet, Wilhelm, and Julius were unfathomable. Such ungrateful, vicious ridicule towards the royal family was certainly not permissible. 
In spite of that, Capella. Capella. Any thoughts on that name? Julius turned his attention sharply as he spoke, noticing Subaru's bitter expression. Nothing. It's just... After a brief pause, Subaru scratched his head as he continued. It's not just Capella. Regulus and Sirius too. Come to think of it. Even Petal Geese. But... It's hard for me to believe it makes sense. It can't be. It's... Cut the crap, Captain. Tell us already. What's so special about their names? It's no big deal. But... It's just... You could kind of say that they have the same name as the stars in my hometown. Or something like that. Name of the stars, is it? Response to Subaru. Cruchet widened her eyes, looking deeply interested. Seeing that everyone else shared her reaction, Subaru scratched his head. Don't give me strange looks, okay? In my hometown, all of the stars were given names, and the Sin Archbishops just happened to share their names. I quite enjoy learning about the stars and their stories, so I know some extra details. Billy, you have quite the unusual hobby. Stars, huh? Huh, <laughs> just so you know, my name's Subaru, also comes from the stars. But that's not important right now. That's all I have to say. S sorry if it's boring. Feeling embarrassed, Subaru attempted to shake the inquisitive eyes of the ones staring at him. However, Cruchet's rejected Subaru's attempts to end the conversation. Please, wait, Subaru-sama. Is that all there is to those star names? It just so happens that their names are coincidentally the names of your stars? Is that all? You think that's not all? For example, could the roots of their names be the names of the stars that Subaru-sama knows about? From the reason of their founding to the activities they carry out, everything about the witch cult is shrouded in many layers of mystery. We cannot easily discard something that they may share a connection with. Subaru, although surprised at Cruchet's unexpected questioning, was still lost in his own thoughts. Really, Subaru had always believed that the star-related names had been more than mere coincidence. I? This was, after all, a different world. There would be no reason for the names of the stars Subaru knew to have disseminated here. But could they say with so with absolute certainty? This very place, Pristella, Subaru had witnessed Japanese house architecture being replicated under the guise of Wangfu architecture. Hiragagi, Okomayaki, and perhaps even the Kansai dialect were cultural landmarks established by Hoshin's own hand. Perhaps the founding of the witch cult had some roots in modern knowledge known to Subaru. Name the Sin Archbishops after the stars was a tasteless endeavor in practice. Petal Geese. Regulus. Sirius. Capella. Correct, Subaru. You said that there were anecdotes related to the names of the stars. What kind of stories are those? Maybe there is a connection somewhere. 
Anecdotes. Anecdotes. He dug through the thinning memories of his original world, recalling his fading knowledge about the stars. He had once deeply loved celestial illustrations. Knowing that his name's origin laid in the stars, Subaru had greedily immersed himself in drawings and constellations. He had engraved a great number of stars into his mind. And among them, there was a star with the same name as the widely detested Sin Archbishops. The underarm of Orion. Or the hand of Orion. Huh? Hearing the word underarm in a place she never would have imagined, Crochet tilted her head to the side. However, Subaru did not register her reaction, approaching her and gripping her and shaking her slender shoulders. Hand of Orion! That's right! It's called the Hand of Orion! Subaru-sama? What? Orion's hand? Petal Geese. The origin of his name is a star. His authority was the Unseen Hand. And the star he was named after has another name. The Hand of Orion! was almost laughably far-fetched. Were they only related by chance? Was it merely an amusing coincidence of symbolism? A Pato Goose, but a star named Beetlejuice. That was a familiar name to Subaru. A small mismatch had been the reason he had yet to notice it. Sirius is the one who burns and the one who shines. And she can use fire magic. That's not subtle at all. At most it's literal. Regulus is the little king. Isn't that exactly like that bastard self-centered values? And Capella is... Capella is... Female goat! A female goat! Capella's the female goat! Digging through his memory, Subaru searched for some meaning relationship between the mythos of the stars and the archbishops of sin. A smirk emerged on Subaru's face, showing off his excitement in finding a meaning to the connections. Instead, listening to Subaru's answer, Crochet kept her brow pressed down while holding his shoulder. She looked to the other four people, who also wore complex expressions. Orion's underarm. Something that shines. Small king? The hell's a female goat? Ah. The reaction of the four people who tilted their heads, Subaru belatedly realized that his discovery was far more useless than he had first thought. Subaru-sama, I apologize. It seems that my thoughts have led us astray. Yes, even Crochet looked sorry. The attempt to relate the name of the stars, as well as their origin, and the names of the Sin Archbishops had failed spe- spectacularly. However, at no time to spend lamenting that failure. No more time could be wasted before launching a Blitzkrieg operation, which time was of essence. As a result, they attacked after their abilities and combat styles were shared and discussed between them. Being on the safe side, the members of the Iron Fang, who had accompanied Julius and Crochet, had gone ahead as a scouting force, ensuring that the way to the city hall was clear. The six of them would arrive safely. Yeah, it's just like that last time. Nothing's changed. Nose twitching, Garfield confirmed the lack of any new enemy presences. According to what he had said, 
He had been ambushed after crossing the road straight ahead, as he was about to enter the city hall. Neither Garfield's nose nor Subaru's eyes found the silhouettes he had mentioned. Those were not present. They could just take the city hall and move on. Just as Subaru wanted to celebrate a lack of enemies. Garfield equipped his shields in both hands, and Ricardo held his mache in a battle-ready stance. Wilhelm, on the other hand, eyed the whole of the plaza with the calmness of a tranquil lake. What would it mean for those three if there was no enemy in sight? In particular, Wilhelm surely had much as he needed to confirm. This area is completely open. Although my quasi spirits have been sent to patrol it, they found no path we could sneak along. It seems that our only option is to approach directly. Julius had six quasi-spirits following him. It sent those to scout out their surroundings, then report back to the group. Location was especially unpleasant, so it was difficult to launch an offensive. And it, as it was likewise difficult to defend. Can't you send your spirits inside to scout? Just knowing how many enemies there are, and the building's general layout, would make our job that much easier. Apologies but my buds are still unable to perform an order that complicated. And it is possible that the enemy is not unable to detect the presence of spirits. So that would be difficult. That wouldn't be your fault. Still, that's a shame. It would have been really helpful. But knowing the circumstances inside the city hall itself would mean that their turmoil would possibly escalate. That said, waiting would only cause the situation to worsen. Although the witch cult had claimed that they were going to make a request during the next broadcast, there was no way they could negotiate with them. Then, just as we planned, although the enemy has combat effectiveness on their side, we'll take one person at a time, we'll handle this quickly, and then get rid of the guy who's occupying this place! Although that is optimistic thinking, I do look forward to our success. Julius gave an ironic response to Subaru's speech, and the party took off. Without needing a signal, they ran up the straight road, toward the plaza in front of the city hall. No sign of an enemy appearing from anywhere. Arfil ran in the lead, followed by Wilhelm and Julius. Ricardo followed them, and Cruchet and Subaru held the rear. His right leg felt, for all intents and purposes, fine. Though it was in a strange state of feeling no sensation, he could run without hindrance. They're here! Two figures fell upon Garfield, who stood in the lead. As the groups witnessed the large blades and the slender longsword flutter in the air that composed the surprise attack, Crochet gave a courageous shout and drew her own weapon at the rear. One blow. One hundred fell was unleashed. The strike that was unleashed, cutting diagonally towards the enemy, was a special attack by Crochet. That was augmented by her divine protection of wind reading. Anything within her field of vision, even at a great distance, could be struck by one of her blades of wind. It was Cruchet's long-range swordplay, which had even made a dent in the White Whale's magically enhanced defenses. The sound of steel on steel rang out, and the giant and woman whirled away. Did you get them? No, they deflected it! No hit! surprise attack to counter the surprise attack and failed to make contact. Two blackguard figures landed on the stone pavement, having dealt with the wind blade using their own steel blades and turned around. 
two giant blades and a single-edged longsword from top to bottom. They were indeed both clad in the despicable black garb of the witch's cult. Two figures did not show any side effects from the previous attack, tilted their bodies forward slightly, about to kick off from the ground. However, for that... Although you blocked Kurusama's blow, can you take this? Three different colors glowed from above. The light emitted from the spirits pouring down upon the witch's cultists. Fully at six quasi-spirits, working groups of three, cast a magic attack on the giant and woman both. The magical light, which Subaru had never seen before, applied an appalling pressure to the two opponents. Tremendous pressure forcing them to kneel. As the enemy was unable to withstand that force, Garfield and Wilhelm rushed to the woman while Ricardo swung his blade over his head as he leapt towards the giant. Take this! Yeah! It's over. A flash of silver emanating an overwhelming pressure, the sword demon took off, aiming to run his blade across the opponent's body. The mache, driven by that uncanny physical strength held by Ricardo, the Beastman slashed down in a straight line. Not to cut, but to smash the unprotected head. They could strike a kill at this interval. The kneeling woman turned her sword in her grip and slashed at Garfield and Wilhelm's legs. Immediately dodged by leaping, the woman followed with the same trajectory, twisting to stretch a leg around Garfield's neck, moving him to the range of Julius's magic. Featuring Garfield's blind spot, the woman protected herself from any magical effects using Garfield as a shield. And her knee shattered Garfield's nose as she grabbed his left arm with her free hand and used his shield to block Wilhelm's flat. This profound display of skill, Garfield cried out in pain, but Wilhelm cursed. Breaking their stalemate, he delivered a roundhouse kick to the old swordsman, placing Garfield in the process. Though her movement should have been constrained, her blow was powerful enough to send Wilhelm flying. Since he had regained his balance, she had already made another half-turn on the spot, delivering a swift follow-up kick. Meanwhile, Ricardo's attack had been stopped just short of the giant's head. Still kneeling due to the magical effects cast by Julius, the giant had readily discarded the big sword he held in both hands to block the hatchet block that approached his skull. Then, he lifted his unguarded hand and brought them between his head and the hatchet. Idiot, it's over! The obvious result of his flawed judgment, his arms would be severed. Even though Ricardo's machete was blunt, it contained incredible momentum and power. Giant's thick arms were amputated by the impact of the blow, and his upper arms flew through the air as black blood spewed forth. Ricardo stepped back and sweeped the mache up, need to bring it down upon the giant who had lost both his arms. Slash powerful enough to knock down a gigantic tree would vaporize the giant's neck. However, the giant simply used his extra arms to retrieve his broadsword from the stone pavement, deflecting the fatal blow with merely one of his swords. What? A curtain of blood sprayed forth as the stumps of the giant's amputated arms, nullifying the effects of the magic that Julius had cast. As free, the giant was again capable of the agile action that betrayed his enormous form. Even though he had lost one of his arms in a split-second decision, he had the determination needed to discover the effects and weaknesses of the magic spell, and to act accordingly. Cardo, 
gradually become unaware to withstand the fury of blades that followed. Giant was far too skilled with those titanic cleavers, and far too battle-hardened. Even though he had managed to knock away the pair of broadswords, Ricardo had one of the giant's other hands and thrust it into his torso. Groaned at the power of that blow, and another fist collided with his face, sending the beastman's burly body backwards. Against the three opponents who were now under the defensive, the woman and the giant raised their weapons, weapons of special kind, with clear intent to kill. Black Lion finally having caught up with those other three. Combination magic! Falgoa! Hit! Come on! Please! Lisa's incantation ushered wind, and a shade of vermilion mixed with the vortex of air. The resulting tornado of flame swiftly met the woman trying to chase Garfield, ladder jumping back to safety. Then, with overlapping voice almost resembling a prayer, Crusade's wind blade and Subaru's whip whistled through the air, striking the giant's body. His huge form shook due to the diagonal splash, and a painful wound appeared on the giant's chest, courtesy of the source of that shrill sound. However, neither injury was serious matter for them. Even so, he had succeeded in stopping the giant's assault. The fallen Ricardo kicked up at the giant's jaw. Ha! You were axing for it. Is this really the time to say that? Fall back, Ricardo! Hurt by the momentum of the kick's release, Ricardo spun backwards, retrieving his hatchet and wiping his face of blood, before retreating to join Crusade's Subaru, ready to confront the giant again. Glancing to the side and seeing that the woman had been enclosed in a tornado flame, Subaru's eyes involuntarily widened. What's that? You? You could actually use such spectacular magic? It is merely a bluff. I am not proficient enough to make it lethal just yet. And in fact... Julius replied bitterly. The spectacle before their eyes confirmed his words. The woman bathed in that tornado of flame, the sword in her hand flashed. Part of that wind was pierced by her slight movement, and balanced the tornado collapsed and faded. The woman's elegant, peerless swordplay, and the giant's own special physiology. You're kidding. The front of his back robe was opened, and the giant's many arms were relieved, revealed. He nonchalantly picked his severed arms back up from the ground and pressed them against his stumps, as blood and flesh knit with a sickling sound. A mere moment later, the giant's formerly missing arms were reattached, with only scant traces of the injury remaining. As if confirming that healing, he took his large blades in them again, waving them around as if to test the feeling. Both looked undefeatable. By contrast, it's clear that our bit creek failed. Looking sideways, Garfield and Wilhelm, who had escaped using Julius's magic support, were receiving first aid to their injuries by way of Garfield's healing magic. However, the reality set in that Garfield and Wilhelm, working together, had been soundly defeated. That sense of despair could not easily be erased. But it would be a mistake to say that their situation was completely hopeless. Although close combat is unreliable, long-ranged attacks could still be effective. Julius's magic, Crusade's blade of wind, and even Subaru's whip had connected. The last one would be all that helpful. Even if it had indeed worked, 
the other two attacks certainly had a chance to turn the tide. Subaru's comment and expectant gaze, both Kulis and Cruchet nodded. Garfield and Wilhelm also understood the power of their opponents in close combat. At the start, Ricardo had not held any designs to face either of them alone. The melee fighters would interfere with their enemies' movements, and in any gaps would be filled with magical attacks. It was likely the best way to minimize injuries and achieve victory. Unity of the entire party would start the pace of the battle again. Then, at that moment, chaotically, grudgingly, a mad triple crime! What kind of garbage pieces of meat like you can so foolishly, ugly, superficially dare to live in the words of this egg-oriented, patient lady? <laughs> Abruptly piercing the battlefield was an inconspicuously sharp laugh. However, upon hearing that voice, Everyone understood that the appearance of its owner meant the situation had taken a turn for the worst. Therefore, Subaru shuddered and shifted his gaze around, searching for that figure. Where was she? Where's that laughter coming from? Where are you looking, you dull, dumb, limited pieces of shit? It's because of this foolishness that you can't be saved! Come on, open your filthy eyes wide and think hard with your empty head! And maybe this gentle lady will show mercy to your filthy souls! No way. Crochet had drawn a hoarse breath. Her amber eyes were fixed overhead. The sinking feeling of understanding, Subaru followed her gaze, expecting to see lust at the end of it. The line of sight pointed to the roof of the city hall, far away. The place was the origin of the loud ridicule poured down upon them as if the owner of that voice was looking down upon ants from a great height. In fact, that was more or less the situation. That was because... laughter echoed through the air as Subaru glanced upward. The giant and swordsman did not have the slightest reaction as an ally joined against their fellow opponents. On the battlefield, lust appeared, and... The name of lust was announced. Black Dragon looked upon them with a smile. <laughs> 